Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Behind-the-scenes experience in Washington and around the world. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back, everyone. Happy Friday to you. Hope you are enjoying the day, getting ready for the weekend. This is one of those weeks where you sort of get two Fridays. Tuesday was sort of a Friday going into the Pioneer Day holiday and now an official Friday. And uh, we'll be with you all the way till 3 o'clock today here on Inside Sources. And we'll pass the baton then off to Jeff Kaplan, who will help you navigate safely home and get your weekend rolling. Uh, Before the break, we were talking about the uh, debt and deficit, the deal that was just passed in the House. And I want to pick up on that just a a little bit. We've had some of our texters on our Utah Community Credit Union text line, again, which you can always uh, dial into 57500 when it is safe, because safety first is always the rule. Uh, we've had a, a couple of uh, really interesting questions come in. Uh, one, you know, is the government currently paying down any at all of the trillions of dollars of debt we owe? And the answer is no. The debt is going up, not down. We're currently paying about $300 billion a year, uh, it, just in interest. And we're paying historic low interest rates. So if that ticks up even to historic averages, we'll go from $300 billion a year in interest just interest, nothing on the principal, uh, to about a trillion, a little over a trillion, uh, that quick. So not even a big spike. Uh, but I wanted to talk about this uh, with our next guest, uh, re- former Representative Mia Love, uh, joins us for the next couple of segments here, if we can keep her on. Uh, Mia, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Um, in spite of what's going on in Washington, you know, we, we just continue to truck along and and do what we can. Um, it's really interesting that you're talking about the, the that I just had a conversation with my daughter. She said, uh, Mom, so is it getting any better? It's really interesting that they're in tune with all of this. Is it getting any better? And I unfortunately had to say, it's actually getting worse. Um, I, I, uh, you, you mentioned those numbers, $300 billion per year in interest alone and how that is increasing exponentially. And, of course, um, the worst thing that any mom has to, you know, um, has to explain is how their children are going to have to deal with that issue in, in the future. And, um, you know, where Washington just continues to kick the can down the road, kick the can down the road, another debt ceiling increase, uh, you know, it's, nobody's doing their job. I think that that's going to end up being the theme of the day. It's just 
when are you going to actually do your job? Do your yes, job. <laughs> I think we yeah. could start a we could start a chant around that. That might be positive. Do your job <laughs> might be the the one I uh, I yeah. said earlier. I I've uh, found myself agreeing with Leon Panetta today. Uh, that you know, don't mistake this for bipartisanship. This is broken government. <laughs> Uh, going right. on there, and and uh, Mia, you've been you've been in the middle of those battles. You've been in those rooms. Uh, you, you know what it's like when everyone's trying to leave town, and the smell of jet fumes is in the air, and suddenly people are caving yeah. in. Uh, as you've watched this play out this week, as it relates to the uh, the debt and just what that's going to do, you know, not just I, I think this is no longer a kick the can down the road to our grandchildren. Uh, and maybe even not our children. I mean, this is something that could turn on us in a real hurry here in this country. Since everything has become a crisis, everything has become a crisis. The border is a crisis. You've got our debt that is, I mean, it was out of control, and now it's just a crisis with no way out. I remember actually um, voting on a bill and trying to get as many colleagues as possible to vote on a bill that gets us out. Um, this was about two years ago that gets us out of debt in, in 10 years. So it was just, I mean, we're not even in the process of trying to figure out how are we going to get us out of debt. We have gotten, the United States government has gotten so bad that they're not even interested in trying to um, at least curb the, the spending problem that we have. Right. Uh, we, we did part of it with tax reform, right, in terms of increasing, making sure the economy is running, making sure we are allowing people to invest, to keep a little bit more of their money, so that way we can put more into the economy. So we're growing well, but Washington it has yet to do its job in cutting, um, in cutting spending. You know, we've the, one of the things that I've talked about over and over again in terms of limited government, I've said limited government doesn't mean that you cut everything. It just means to allow um, things to be done at the appropriate area and yes. appropriate places in government. So oh. there are things that we can do as a state yeah. that would be a lot more efficient, a lot better um, than the federal government can do. And it's just no one's willing to have those conversations yeah. at all. Yeah, and let's and let me let me have you drill down on that for just a minute because I, I this is an area that I think we often lose in these budget battles, in these debates over the debt ceiling and and all of those kinds of things. And if you're if you're just joining us, we've got former representative Mia Love on the line with us uh, today. We're going to break down the budget battle. We're going to talk about what's going to happen in Detroit next week with the presidential debate uh, that Mia will be covering for CNN there. Uh, but again, often as we as we look at these big battles, we just think in terms of cutting big government. But the real question has to be about fixing broken government and what broken should be done and right. by whom. Well, I think one of the first things that uh, we need to look at is actually very simple in practice, but no one will even touch it or even talk about it, is one, um, getting government to run the way it was supposed to run. In other words, uh, the executive branch is supposed to execute the laws that are enacted by Congress. And Congress has to have the power of the purse, which means that they have to do the legislating, which means that they cannot decide that, hey, I don't want to be blamed for these things, so I'm going to pass it on to a bureaucracy that is not elected by people, that is not accountable to people, and we're going to continue to put budgets and money and money into them to try and solve these problems where Congress really needs to do, again, their job in actually enacting laws and curbing um, this ever-growing 
government. The other thing also is one of the bills that I pushed over and over and over again was the one subject at a time, where every uh, bill enacted by Congress has to be limited to one subject, and that one subject has to be clearly stated in the title. That way you don't have these pet projects from other places or bridge to nowhere um, put into must-pass bills at the very last minute. Uh-huh. Um, it, it, for, there's so many different things that we can do. It's so simple and, and, and I guess too practical for Washington. And I don't know, maybe that's why I'm not there anymore. I don't know. Um, yeah. I tend to, it, it, I, I tend to, you know, to me, it's just, there, there are some simple practices that people do in their everyday that's lives. Right. Um, Utahns, Americans in their homes, in their businesses that Washington refuses to do, um, to, to make sure that they are, they are keeping, um, this country, um, on good, firm um, financial standing. Yeah, I, I think that's so important. And I do think it's important for, for all of our listeners to to just step back and recognize that many of these bills are hundreds and thousands of pages <laughs> in some cases with so many different subjects and so many different pet projects folded in and, and dropped in at the last minute uh, that, that uh, getting to one subject at a time uh, and again, getting the right title, that was always the big battle when I was back there was, you know, you have the, right. we shall have clean air air bill in it, which everybody sounds great. Who's going to vote for dirty air. Uh, and then suddenly right. you're, you know, voting on all kinds of things. All right, Mia, can we get you to stay with us for one more segment? Absolutely. All right. Stay tuned. When we come back, we're going to break down the, uh, d- debate that will come up next Tuesday in Detroit. Mia will be there to cover it. Don't go anywhere. This is Boyd Matheson, opinion editor of the Deseret News. Thanks for joining us on an extended version of Inside Sources on a Friday. We'll be right back. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent. It was senseless. And I will never understand it. I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. Welcome back, everyone. This is Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. Thanks for joining us on a Friday. Hope you're having a fantastic day out there. We're going to pick up our conversation. We've got uh, former Representative Mia Love on the line with us, and uh, we're going to talk some presidential politics now. Uh, the Democrats will convene in Detroit on Tuesday and Wednesday. Again, they're doing the split format, so you'll have uh, 10 candidates on Tuesday night. You'll have 10 candidates on Wednesday night. And uh, just some some quick updates in terms of the polling. Uh, and I, I, me, I want you to respond to some of this. It, it is really interesting. After the last debate where uh, former Vice President Biden uh, did not have a, a great night, uh, took a lot of heat for not being prepared, excuse me, not being prepared or engaged. 
Uh, so he took a little dip, but it appears that everything has snapped back. Uh, in the latest polls, uh, Fox News polls has on the national level has Biden up 33. Uh, so he's up 18 on Bernie Sanders at 15, Warren's at 12, Harris is at 10. The latest Quinnipiac poll has uh, Biden with a 17-point lead where he's at 31%. Then you have uh, Sanders and Kamala Harris at 14% each and Elizabeth Warren close behind. Uh, so as as you're doing your preparation, I know you're going to do some commentary for CNN uh, over the two nights there in Detroit. Uh, what are you looking for uh, as you head into those two nights? I can actually describe it in an experience, a very real experience I had. Um, I, I don't know if you know about this, but I've actually posted on Instagram. I've been doing uh, my backyard, and I hired this um, the, this man, Michael Lawson, from uh, ASK Landscaping to do I don't even know if I can say that, but I just did um, <laughs> to do to do my backyard, and um, I, I had this really great down to earth experience with him. Came in, they did an amazing job. He cared about trying to make me happy at every end. He just kept saying, "Are you happy with this? Are you happy with that?" And they just kept exceeding my expectations. And I could see how he actually even treated his employees as his family members. And the whole, he didn't pay me, just so, just full disclosure, this is not a person that paid me to say this, <laughs> give me a discount, I'm just watching a person try to make ends meet, try to uh, create this business that he's passionate about, take care of his, his employees so that his employees feed their family. Right. And I would watch these people come in in three weeks of rain to try and accomplish a job. And... You know, what I have seen in the past um, couple of weeks or a couple of months have been about people trying to get back at people or people trying to make their opponents look bad. Right. There is no, I just very rarely hear about who is going to do what's best for people like Michael uh, Lawson and people like Mark. Um, and people and all of the people that they that that work for them that are just doing everything they can to work in horrible conditions to feed their families. Yeah, um, I, I think it was interesting. I, just, I, I think I want it was, to get back to that. Yeah. I want to get back. I want to know what people are actually going to do. You know, right now there's a lot of promising. You know, you've got a lot of people that are saying, "Well, you know, we're gonna we're gonna give uh, uh, free college tuition and and no plan as to how." That's going to work when you've got again this increase in in government spending. You've got a lot of people that are talking about how horrible. The only thing they can talk about is how horrible the current president is, without offering any real solutions themselves. And it, it's been it's it, it, it's just heartbreaking. Yeah. I don't know who's actually going to make life better for the regular mom and dad, along with the mom and pops that are just doing everything they can um, for their families. Really interesting. Today you had uh, both Mayor Pete Buttigieg and Kamala Harris both talking about economics. Uh, Buttigieg uh, rolled out a a very well-scripted, very well-crafted communications piece around uh, exactly what you're talking to, uh, this idea of we've got to help out the uh, the little guy and the little girl out there who are entrepreneurs or running a small business or trying to just make end meet, uh, ends meet by working a couple of jobs. 
so th- I think that will be an interesting to see. Uh, interesting to see if anybody gets to any real specifics uh, beyond the giveaway component. Everybody can give away free everything, but that's uh, I used to right. say that that's sort of like the uh, fifth grade uh, class president. You know, you're going to exactly. have chocolate milk in the in the yeah. drinking fountain. Bending machines, <laughs> bending machines, and pools. You know, we've got. If you look at the border crisis again, February, sixty-six thousand people apprehended, apprehended at the border. Ninety-two thousand every month, and were peaked at an all-time high uh, of one hundred thirty-two thousand in May. And all Washington could do is talk about it. Talk about it, talk about it, saying this is not good or this is not good. No real plan about not, not even putting up an actual bill. I heard my uh, my former colleague, Doug Collins, say, oh, I know we've got different ideas. Put up a bill. Put yeah. up a bill so that we can at least talk about it. Let's debate no it and vote. Anything. Yeah, All they can do is just say you're wrong and you're wrong and nobody's coming together. So it's going to continue to be like this. We're going to continue to get a division, by the way, which Russia would like to see America um, have to go through. And all of our enemies would like to see the dividing of America. We're going to continue to beat each other up, not solve any problems. And we are going to be our own demise. Russia doesn't have to do it for us. North Korea doesn't have to do it for us. China doesn't have to. All they have to do is sit back and watch this train unless we are able to get on our feet, be a little bit more patriotic and say, okay, we're going to work with each other get and to actually get this done. Okay. So, and that's what I want to see with the, in this presidential. I want to see people actually admit that we've got these issues and they're willing to do whatever they can to put a plan together to actually solve these issues that we have. So so let's jump into that. If you're just joining us, we've got uh, former Representative Mia Love on the line. She's going to be doing some analysis uh, from Detroit, from the Democratic debates this coming week. And uh, you mentioned this idea of, do we have anybody who's willing to actually come together and work together to get it done? Uh, race has become a, a, an issue in the campaign. Uh, but I want to play something for you. This is uh, from uh, Reverend Amos Brown. And uh, many people have uh, watched uh, a stirring video uh, that uh, came out just in the last 24 hours. And we've talked about this uh, amazing alliance between the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and the NAACP. Uh, But this is a a different this was part of my interview uh, with Reverend Brown. And he he got to this very issue and did it in a really interesting way. Take a listen to this, me, and then we'll get a response. If we don't learn to live together as brothers and sisters. As my teacher, Martin Luther King, so eloquently said, we will all perish as fools. We need each other. We should not turn on each other in these difficult times. We should turn to each other and be a dream team of interfaith, interracial, intercultural exchange. Each of us has something to offer. We used to sing that old song in nursery school, The more we get together, the happier we'll be. Your song will be my song and my song will be your song. The more we get together, the happier we'll be. The more we work together, I would add, the happier we will be. All right, that's uh, Reverend Amos Brown, one of my new favorite people on the planet. Uh, Mia, I've got just a, a minute left Uh, As you look at it from a race relations standpoint, how do we turn to each other? How do we work with each other uh, to get to a happier spot? Well, this is this is the message. This is absolutely the message we need to hear, and we need to 
listen to and understand. This is, this is the American story at its best. This is what a great example of friendship, of, um, of an inspiration, um, a sense of hope, of lifting each other instead of tearing each other down, and, and admitting that we need each other, that the only way that the United States is going to be stronger is if we are united as a people, not as Democrats, Republicans, white or black but as an American people working together for common goals. And I, I, I posted it on my Facebook page, and after I saw video, parts of this video, I started to cry, but it also gave me a lot of hope. It gave me a lot of hope that there are people that are out there that are still willing to put out a positive, strong message of what real American democracy is about. Two people coming into a room and talking about what they're for and how they're going to fix the problem and standing hand in hand to get it done. That's the story I want my children to listen to. I don't need them to go after any Twitter account or look at who's angry at <laughs> That's who right. or why they should be angry. I want them to say, you know what, I'm going to stand up and be like Reverend Amos Brown and and and, and be a little bit cute, uh, humble and show some humility and, and say that we're going to help each other and we're going to uplift each other. And, and um, I, I that's the right message, and it's inspiring. And it all right. All right. We got a hard break, Mia. Thanks so much for joining us today. Appreciate your analysis and insight today. Former Representative Mia Love joining us. Uh, We're going to step aside for our bottom of the uh, hour break. When we come back, uh, we'll pick up our conversation. We'll talk about uh, everything else going on in Washington and uh, move everything forward on an extended version of Inside Edition. We'll be right back. I'm Dave Cauley investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold season three, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.